Who am I? Not a clue. Still, I know in my bones what scientists confirm. The melanin in my skin marks the starting point of a journey someone in my family made to get me here. Mapping my genes migration from the equator, color balancing between two risk factors of too much and too little sun. Our useful, beautiful skin has been dragged into so much. Welcome to the Known in Your Bones podcast, an arts and heritage project that shines a light on the sunshine vitamin D. For the last two years, we've been exploring its all-powerful influence on and in all of our lives. Today's episode explores migration. I was born in Mauritius. We were ten children, three brothers, seven sisters. And Mauritius is the most beautiful country in the world, I must say. I haven't uh, actually moved very far. Born and lived in Islington for most of my life. I grew up in the countryside in Jamaica, in the hills, wide open places and fields and sugar cane and corn and mango trees and a wonderful place. I grew up on Old Street. I lived in a block of flats on the 15th floor. It was right like on the corner of the roundabout, so like you can just see the whole of London from the balcony. It was quite small. It was just one bedroom, and it was really warm because it's just a really warm house. You could, like, sometimes when it's a bit windy, it was almost like you can feel the wind blowing you about. As the Earth rotates on its axis, we draw closer and further away from the sun. Research has shown that only between April and October is there enough sunlight to make vitamin D in the UK. And this is only for those with fairer skin. Those with darker skin can only make enough from sunlight if they are closer to the equator. For communities and individuals who have migrated, some forcefully displaced or enslaved, they carry with them ways of living and being to environments that their skin and bodies have not adapted to, affecting their physical and mental health. But we have always made journeys, crossing lands and oceans. Time has shown that we can carve new homes and make them our own. I come from two islands. I come from the belly of two ships. I come from cream-colored flags of sugarcane and corn waving in the breeze. I come from roaring waterfalls. I come from cool breeze blowing between the trees, carrying the smell of my mother's cooking. I come from flowing rivers moss-covered rocks by the riverside and rough sand between my toes. I come from the feel of the tree bark against my skin as I climb the tree. Juicy mangoes and apples, the prize to win. I come from a land of laughter and song. Joining in are toads, mosquitoes and crickets. I come from tropical evening, star-studded skies, and fireflies add to the magic. I come from where moonlight parted glow, softening the darkness of the night to a hue of dusty, dark blue. I came from Jamaica, I came here.
I come from Ipswich, where I lived in a new house, and there was the sound of the mower with a steady engine and a taste of a hard by lake on Sunday. I come from Coleraine, Northern Ireland, where I was at the university, and the sunlight was translucent, and there was rough sand underfoot on the beaches. I come from Glasgow, where I catalogued archive film when it was very cold in the winter, and I crouched down beside an electric fire. I spent most of my life in London, 15 years of which I spent going to the red front door in Lutria, where my aunt lived, tending upon her, going back to my flat in Islington. I come from two coasts. I come from moving boxes and a lost accent. I come from a city I do not remember. I come from underground trains and black country roads. I come from London. Before delving further into the history of vitamin D and its links to migration, I'd like to establish some facts about what is known. Vitamin D is a precursor hormone. It helps to regulate calcium, which is important for bone health and the overall function of the body. And it is produced during exposure to the sun or can be acquired by eating foods such as oily fish eggs and cheese. The history of vitamin D and the discovery of its connection to the sun begins in 1890 when the British doctor and missionary Theobald A. Palm, he conducted a survey of fellow missionaries in Asia and Africa. Palm's study revealed that the rate of rickets was higher in urban areas than in regions which received more sunlight. He began advocating therapeutic sunbathing for children with the disease. It was years before Palm's theory was validated. In 1920, physician Edward Mellenby linked rickets to dietary deficiency. And after the First World War, British microbiologist Harriet Chick found that children with rickets responded well to a combination of good nutrition and sunbathing. One's level of vitamin D is affected by a number of factors, including your proximity to the equator. Those who originated from countries close to this bisecting line cannot get enough vitamin D once they migrate to northern latitudes. The melanin that once protected you from the sun rays now works against you. Known in Your Bones has taken a journey back in time to explore how attitudes towards sunlight and vitamin D have changed since the 19th century. Researching archival images and documents at London Metropolitan Archives, Wellcome Collection and the Bart's Health NHS Trust Archives. Our attitude to the sun rays have drastically shifted in the last hundred years, from being something one should avoid because of conditions it was thought to cause in pale-skinned Brits where it was spoken over and the health sacrifices made by those soldiers who travelled to take civilization to the colonies. During the Industrial Revolution, as factories were being built, as labour was needed, as children were being sent to be workers in the smog of the city, vitamin D deficiency rose. By the turn of the 20th century, it was estimated that upwards of 80 to 90% of children living in Northern Europe and in Northeastern United States had evidence of rickets. It wasn't until the late 19th century that schooling became mandatory. With more children attending and the rise of Victorian philanthropy that sought to help the poor, we have the beginnings of a society that was looking to tackle the entrenched and life-limiting poverty that was rife. The Second World War brought significant changes with the introduction of the National Health Service to ensure free access to care and medicines, to prevent illness and a welfare system that was supposed to be a safety net to look after the poor and the vulnerable. The UK was also becoming richer, more educated and mobile, travelling to warmer climates locally and internationally for holidays so they could be nearer to the sun. There was also a migratory pull in the 19th and 20th century 
of artefacts, but also people. From Commonwealth countries during the British Empire that covered vast countries across the earth, which brought many of us here to the UK in ships and later planes. We were encouraged to help build and serve Britain. It was described as a place of opportunity. It did not always prepare us for the cold and dark winters. We carried with us our ways of navigating this star, our religious beliefs, our melanated bodies. But we were not prepared for the stiffness and aches that ensued. We bore children here, extended our families, but that feeling of disjointedness continued. We were told we were making our bodies sick by wearing these clothes, by not knowing how to engage with knowledge. But the story isn't that simple. Vitamin D deficiency, we have come to realize, is an indicator of health. It is a prism that reveals inequality. It's about where you live, the ability to access clean air, green space, good nutrition, and knowledge. What do we know in our bones? Those instincts that override logic, transcend what you've been taught. The shifting AU of nature, nurture, is a glimmer between alternate universes. Everybody gets ready. It's time to rock steady. It's Baba Boom time. This I come from an island where the sun shines bright. People are happy with much laughter. Cows and goats roam freely. Chickens flitter their wings, eating corn with their hard beaks. I come from having a grandmother who made sure we were fed three times a day. I come from a place where fruit and cheese was plenty, sweet juicy June plums, and star apples sweet from the large star apple tree in front of the veranda of the brown wooden house I once called home. I come from a place where church and Sundays was a must, because the Saviour said so. It was ungodly to play games on the holy day. I come from a place where we all knew each other, in a small town, greetings upon greetings echoed. I come from a place with the dubbing sound of reggae, rock steady and ska music rung in the airs and people dance to the beats. I come from a place of fresh breathing air and the mouth-watering taste of rice and peas, carrot juice made with milk, nutmeg spice and tinge of Jamaican white rum, red fruit, yellow yam, the national dish of Akian swordfish and fried dumplings. Gathering data during this project became important, collecting oral histories and responses to people's attitudes to the sun, home and vitamin D, reaching out to different communities to find out what they know in their bones. We asked people which of these statements applied to them. So, which of these statements apply to you? I feel myself to be English. I feel myself to be British. I feel myself to be other. And which of these statements would you answer yes to? I was born in winter. I was born near the equator. My grandparents were all born in the same country. I have a simple answer to the question, where are you from? Knowing Your Bones is an all-change production in partnership with London Metropolitan Archives, supported by National Lottery Heritage Fund.